Hey, we are in the midst of seven, uh, 21 days of fasting and prayer through Foursquare. Foursquare has been starting off the year the last few years this way. They started off on the 9th, so last Monday. So we're seven days in for those of you who are praying and fasting. So just a reminder that uh, these are some of the topics that the Lord has put on our heart here as a church to be praying for. We could spend all year, and we're probably going to leave these up as long as they stay up and don't get uh, scribbled on by all the other things that happen in these rooms during the week. Um, this is the challenging one, community, because we need to get into that door, so it's constantly being tore off. So um, we'll see how long that one lasts. So, um, yeah, we may have to do that. But just a reminder that as we fast and we pray this month, or these, these next 14 days, I guess it is, it's, it's a real big deal. I really believe it's a big deal to fast and pray and to ask God, would you do what you're going to do in our community? That we as his people would, as it says right over here, that we as his people would humble ourselves and that we would be the ones who would pray and cry out. And God's promise is that I will come and I will heal the land. I will heal and fix. And our land needs healed and fixed. Amen? And so let's be doing that. And we're going to, it's interesting, we said it way before, but it just happens to be in the last day of the fast. We are planning a old school church potluck that we're changing the name. Of. We're, not, we're done with potluck, I guess. Even though, so we're going to go to Sunday lunch. We're having a Sunday lunch at RCC on the 29th. So bring something to share. We'll break our fast together. However, you've been fasting. I've been talking to a few people, and we're all fasting a little bit differently, and some very creative fasting, which is. Uh, you know, that's, I think it's important. And here's the thing with fasting is it's, it's actually a giving up of something. And so when we go to or want to or are longing for those things, like I'm longing for ice cream right now. Um, so when I long for that ice cream, I'm reminded like, all right, I need to be longing after him. I need to spend that time that I'd be eating ice cream and spend time with him. And that's when we fast, we're giving up things that we long for and that we desire, so we will in turn long for and desire Him. It's not a religious thing like, oh, if I give up my cell phone, you know, then God's going to do this. I think it's really for us. It's, it's, it's showing us. Fasting is for us. To say, God, I'm serious about what's going on. I'm willing to kind of deprive myself of a few things here. So that's fasting. So I encourage you to be doing that for the next, we have 14 more days. No ice cream for 14 more days. Okay. Or whatever you're doing. Okay. Sugar or whatever. While we're in our, we're in our Bibles, we're going to be in our Bibles a lot this morning. I was telling somebody, I have, we have a lot of information. So Udi was praying earlier, so true. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We have Bibles that we'd love to hand out. Our host is back there. She's going to Get them to you. We're going to be in Second Peter, and it's interesting as we are going through Second Peter, we see chapter one, and I'm just going to go over some of the highlights again because we're right in the we're jumping right back into Second Peter last week was our first week for about five weeks, and so we're right back into Second Peter, and just the reminder of God's promises to us in Second Peter chapter one, and if you want to see them then I can, I can point them out to you. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we just got that God has given us these precious promises, this, this precious faith, and that His grace and His peace 
are given to us in abundance. Now, verse 3 says that we've been given everything we need to live this life. And verse 4 says that these promises that we have are great and they're precious. I love that. And they are included. The reason why we've, we've been given these amazing, precious, and divine, great promises is that we can be participants in God's plan. I want to participate in God's plan. God, what do you have for me? Yes. But God, what do you have for our community? We as a church need to be praying that. Those, for those of you that call this place your home, we need to be praying that prayer. God, what do you have for us in this community? How are we supposed to serve our community right here? It's going to look different from the church over in Federal Way because we're not in Federal Way. It's going to look different than the church that even meets here later this afternoon at 2 o'clock because they are meeting a need in our community that we're not meeting. It's going to look different. So, God, what are we supposed to be doing? But what we do know is his promises are great and they're precious, and, and they can be, we can be part of his plan. We're reminded to be grounded in the promises of God in verse 12. And as you read through chapter 1, it's so encouraging, and you, you just think, like, wow, Peter, you're such a, an amazing guy. You're so encouraging. You must just be the nicest guy. Just know... But those of you that know Peter, you're like, whoa, what happened to Peter? Well, Peter shows up in chapter 2. Because Peter's, the fire in Peter's heart lights up. And here's the thing with, with what I love about Peter. Is he allowed the Lord to temper him. And what I mean by temper is like when you temper metal, you get it hot. I mean really hot. And what it does is it makes it stronger. doesn't make it weaker. And so when, sometimes when we think, oh, we're being tempered, God's not making us weaker. He's making us stronger. And so when we read these passages about Peter, it's like, wow, if you don't really know about Peter's life, well, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Peter's heart really shines through. This is his last letter uh, before he's going to be put to death. And so when we read this, I mean, literally, you're, you're, holding it in, you're holding Peter's last words in your hand this morning. And the compassion that he has for God's church really shines through as he writes this last letter. Because he, he writes chapter 1, he writes this amazing word of encouragement to us. And then chapter 2, he says, hey, because I love you so much, I want to warn you what's coming. That's not, I mean, when we talk about judgment, someone told me, I said, wow, you talked about judgment a lot last week. Well, I'm just going through what Peter's saying. Judgment is coming, if not has already come. And so it's important for us to take notice and to see. And for us as believers, to obviously to obey and to live like light in this world that's so dark right now. So his heart of compassion comes through as we read it. But also, as much as Peter wants us to know how amazing it is to live with Jesus and to live life with him, this abundant life, he also wants to know that, hey, there is going to be opposition as you live this life. There's going to be all these things that come your way, resistance that come your way. And he tells us in chapter 2, hey, these are the things that I really want you to know. And so far we've talked about it. Number one is God has a plan for us. 
Peter wants us to know that Jesus is the truth. There's a lot of, well, everybody would say, oh, I know the truth. I have the truth. I have the truth. But when it comes down to it, Jesus is the truth. And so what did Jesus have to say? Peter wants us to know that there will be false prophets and false teachers that show up not only in the world, but actually will show up in the church. And Peter says that there will be many, if you're not grounded in the word of God and in relationship with him, we will be fooled and we will follow that false teaching. And a lot of that false teaching in Peter's day was they were adding to the gospel. Jesus' death was not enough. Some people were even saying that Jesus didn't even exist, and that was just 30 years after Jesus was crucified, let alone 2,000 years now where we're at. That's some serious false teaching. We're supposed to be grounded in the truth. Peter wants us to know that judgment is coming, but God's rescue is coming as well. In fact, chapter 2 says, we just read it last week, that God still knows how to rescue the righteous. And in the first part of chapter 2, Peter is like going after the false teachers and saying, hey, God judged in the past. And he talked about judging angels. That was a really interesting study. Do it. It's really fun. Uh, he talked about judging the early world with Noah and the ark. He talked about judging Sodom and Gomorrah. That judgment is coming that God is a just and faithful God. So now we're going to look at uh, verses 10 through 13 this morning. Let me just read them to you. Talking about judgment. This is especially true to those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant they are, not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, though they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such things or beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in a matter they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. Well, good morning. See you later. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I was wondering when Peter was going to show up. Peter's here. He showed up. And you look at Peter's life. What was Peter like before? Just 30 years before he writes this passage. And you see the passion that Peter has here. Obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit as he writes. This isn't just Peter writing. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the church as a warning like, hey, things are coming. You need to be aware. And for those of you that bring in false teaching, this will be your end. That is scary stuff if we read it. And it should bring fear. I'll just say it. I mean, we're in a society that, oh, let's not talk about any of the hard stuff because it just gives me anxiety. This should give us a little anxiety. If we're teaching and leading people in the wrong direction and not leading them to Jesus, 
it should raise some, like, uh, some, as I read this, wow, I need to make sure what I'm doing is correct. God, am I walking, saying, and doing what I'm supposed to be doing? What was Peter like just 30 years before? Remember, he was kind of the brash guy, just would say, ready, shoot, ready, fire, aim, right? That was his whole thing. That was Peter. Whatever came to his, his mind came right out of his mouth without really thinking of it. I don't even think it came to his mind. I think it just came out of his mouth. And there's some examples that we look at Peter's life and we're like, well, was he really that way? Because as we read this, like, wow, Peter, you're a super nice guy and I can see the passion in your heart. But when Jesus was speaking to them at one point, talking to his disciples, Jesus is explaining to them that I must go to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, I will suffer and I will die. I'll rise from the dead as well. And Peter pulls Jesus, the Lord of all creation, aside. It says that Peter pulls Jesus aside. And what does Peter tell Jesus? Like, well, how can I help you in that moment? Can I be there for you in that moment? No. The Bible says that Peter rebuked Jesus. Imagine that. He rebuked Jesus and was like, that will not happen. Jesus, stop talking about that stuff. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? Ooh, get behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus had already changed Peter's name. It was Simon before. Now he's Peter. Now Jesus is calling him Satan. Is he calling Peter Satan? No. The thought process behind what Peter was saying is from the devil himself. The fact, Jesus knew that he came to suffer and die for us. Because if he didn't come and suffer and die for us, we would not have life in him. It had to happen. Jesus knew that. Peter didn't want that to happen. Jesus, I want you forever. I want to be with you forever. Well, yes, but Jesus had to suffer and die first so we can be with him forever. But get behind these Satan. That is just a strong statement. It showed up this week, actually. I was hanging out with a group of people, and uh, somebody walks into my office, and they're eating a candy bar. And the person in my office is fasting, kind of on a special fast for the 21 days of fasting and prayer. And one of those things is they're not eating sugar, that type of stuff like that. This person walks in just eating this. I mean, it was a $100,000 bar. 100 grand, I think that's what it's called, right? 100 grand? You know, the chewy, caramel, chocolate. <laughs> My mom likes caramel. Sorry, I just told on you. But if I say that, maybe they'll bring you caramel. Okay, is that good? Okay. My mom and I are like, we like caramel. So it has caramel, it has almost like Rice Krispie crunchies in it with chocolate. They're fantastic. I, I highly recommend it. Eat one on the 29th. But that person came in to the office eating that candy bar, and the other person in my office said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Anyways, it was hilarious. But in this context, the, what Jesus was telling Peter is like, you don't have in mind what God has. You're thinking of yourself and what you see. God has a way bigger picture. Jesus was walking on water at one point. 
And Peter's in the boat. It's stormy. It's rough. They're used to stormy and rough, but it was different. And it says that they were afraid. They think, they see somebody walking. It doesn't make sense that someone would be walking on water. No one has ever seen that. They think it might be a ghost. It's not. It's Jesus. And what was Peter's first words out of his mouth? Lord, if it's you, I want to come out where you are. And what does he do? Jesus said, all right, come. Peter gets out of the boat. Peter's walking on water for a moment until he sees his circumstances. The circumstances were not good. It was rough. There's no way I should be able to walk on water. Now I'm afraid, and now I sink. Peter was that person that always just jumped out, response, you know, just like he, he just responded. Jesus comes to them in the ultimate act of humility as we see the life of Jesus. Probably, to me, it's one of the most, besides him dying, besides him leaving his place in heaven, when Jesus got up after spending three years with this group of men, and they're having dinner, the night before Jesus was crucified, he gets up, and he gets on his knees, and he washes his disciples' feet. Now, in that con- it's hard for us to grasp that concept because we don't do that in our, in our society. What would that look like now? Well, you have Jesus over for dinner, and then after dinner, he just says, why don't you just, you know, and then he cleans your house. He does all the dishes. Jesus, you can come to my house anytime you want. But he humbles himself, and he He's washing his disciples' feet, and he gets to Peter, and what is Peter's response? Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. It was a response of pride. God, I don't need your help. I'm okay. I'm good. And Jesus tells him, unless I wash your feet, you will not have any part of me. Wow. Peter's response. Then give me a bath. Then I want to be wa- I want everything washed clean. And so as we read this passage, it's, it's interesting how far Peter really has come, how he's been tempered, how he's been, his passions have been focused. I think Peter was like all over the place before, but now God has focused him. And isn't it like Jesus too, as we spend time with him? It's been 30 years. As we spend time with him, isn't it like Jesus to come alongside of us as well? And he tempers us. He helps us. He corrects us. That's who our God is. That's who Peter is telling us about. That's who he's talking to us about. This is all part of God's plan, is what he said. Peter is telling us about these false teachers that are infiltrating the church and gives them a stern warning and tells us what to expect. Be aware this stuff is coming. And in these verses, he says judgment is coming for those who indulge in this passage that we just read this morning. Judgment is coming for those who indulge in corrupt passions of the sinful nature. Judgment is coming for those who despise authority. And judgment is coming for the arrogant and the irreverent, whose behavior is unacceptable in God's kingdom. 
This is an evil group of people for sure that Peter's talking about. And I think sometimes for us, it's easier just to say, well, away with them. I was going to use a different word, but I won't use that word this morning. We're better off without them. And I think as a church, yes, we are supposed to stand up if someone shows up and is teaching false doctrine and say, Jesus isn't enough, or Jesus isn't even real, what are you guys doing? And they're trying to infiltrate um, what God is doing in his kingdom. Yes, we need to make our stand. But we don't do that with, then you can just go to wherever. It's a four-letter word that starts with H. Right? But here's the the thing that happens, I believe, is that sometimes we get so wrapped up in it, then we're saying, we're better off without you. Just go to, instead of having compassion, like, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. Let's look at the truth. Let's look at the Word of God. What does the Word of God have to say? Now, there's going to be times where people are like, oh, wow, I totally get that. That's great. But for the people that says, no, I'm still going to, then, then time out. Just like they're just like back in the day. You need to take a time out. Bible talks about that. How do we respond? Peter says, for those who follow corrupt, the corrupt ways of the flesh, that their desires, who despise authority and encourage others to do the same. Peter compares them to animals. Animals who act by instinct. And the definition of, of instinct is a natural tendency that makes you want to act in a particular way without thought. Just to act in a particular way, but you don't even think about it. You just act that way. And our natural tendency is usually to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. Right? It's kind of that whole Romans 7 thing. It's easy for us to judge people because after all, you know, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, the wages of that sin is its death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. How do we respond to people that don't always think the way we think, don't always agree with the things that we agree with? How do we respond to people? There will be opposition. There will be resistance. But how do we respond And as I read this passage this morning, yes, I think Peter's talking about a certain group of people in this word, but I also look at it as like, man, I could have the potential, not as a pastor, I'm just saying as a believer in Christ, I could have the potential of going to the wrong places and following the wrong things unless I stay really close to Jesus. So there will be this exterior opposition and resistance, but also for us that follow Jesus, there's an interior resistance and opposition. Because our natural, in the natural, we don't think the way God thinks. The Bible says that before we knew Christ, we had a, this crazy sinful nature. For those of us that believe and follow Jesus, our, we have a brand new nature and sometimes those natures war within us, right? And that's why I said earlier about the Romans 7. Paul struggled. Paul, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, who called himself the chief of all sinners. And if you know his background, he had quite the background as well. But he says that, you know, there's things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, and I, I'm just not doing them. 
And there's things that I know I shouldn't be doing, but I just keep doing those things as well. And he says, I am just broken. That's Romans 7, but praise God for Romans 8. Because God works all things together for his good. There's no condemnation now. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. As believers in Christ, nothing can separate you. Whatever circumstances you might be facing right now or facing tomorrow, nothing can separate you. And I understand what it means to go through really difficult, tough situations. And it might feel dark. But you cannot go by how you feel in those moments. You've got to go by what you know in those moments. I'd much rather go by how I feel. It's so much better. And then sometimes I know, like, I know. But I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God, that he is always with me, no matter what this life brings. He is always with me. And Peter tells us that there will be this battle that goes on. Yes, outwardly, but I want to take it a step further and say there will be this battle that goes on inside of us. As we get into the end of chapter 3, I'm just going to give you a, he- a heads up. It's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, will all repent? No. But do all have the opportunity to repent? Yes. And I just want to say this morning, in morning prayer uh, this week, we were talking about it a little bit. Repentance is an absolute gift from God. And repentance simply just means that you're heading one way and then you stop and you turn back the other direction. And so repentance, when we talk about it as believers in Christ, repentance is I'm heading one way and that way Jesus says it leads to death and destruction. But if you stop and turn around and head back the other way towards him, it leads to life, abundant life. Abundant life now, yes, I believe that. Not cash-wise, I don't, I don't, maybe, I don't believe that. Some of the most joyful, amazing people I know don't, have, don't even have a wallet. They live day by day trusting that the Lord will provide for them. The most joyful people I've ever met in my life live that way. But abundant life is knowing that He is with us that he is always with us, that he gives us everything that we need, is what Peter said. And then abundant life after this life is over, the life that we see now will be over someday, and we'll have eternity to spend with him. That is an abundant life that's going to be amazing. Paul tells us in the midst of talking about what it means to be a brand new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16-21. through 21. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture coming up here. I'll just say it. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. Paul just reminds us who we are in Christ and what we're supposed to be doing with this new life 
in Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So as he tells us what we're, who we are, you guys are new creations of Christ, he tells us now what we're supposed to be doing. He doesn't say that we're out there to judge and condemn people. What does he say? We're supposed to help reconcile them to a relationship with their creator. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. What an interesting word. We represent Jesus wherever we go. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this resistance and opposition that goes on outwardly but also inwardly. What's some of the internal things that we struggle with? Well, Jesus talking to his disciples, actually right after he rebuked Peter. Well, before, right before, well, Peter rebuked Jesus. Jesus turns right around and rebukes him as well. And he says, and then he turned to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must de- deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit, forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has come. Romans 12.2. Remember, this is how do are we dealing with the internal struggles that we, we, we face. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. As a follower of Jesus, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Peter talks about this group of people who just live and do whatever they want to do. But I love in Galatians chapter 5, I can't even say it better than Paul says it, so I'm just going to read it to you. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. You are my brothers and sisters, We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, 
or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And just in case we're really not sure the stuff that we're not supposed to be doing, Paul makes it really obvious. And I'm just going to read it. So the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and fractions, not fractions, he hates math, <laughs> factions. I mean, the first part of that list is like, okay, yeah, I don't do witchcraft, check. I'm not sexually immoral, check. But then he gets into this, this other list, like, ooh, sometimes I do those things. Sometimes I do get angry. Sometimes I'm part of dissension. Sometimes I do have selfish ambition. Man. So the acts of the flesh, I'm going to read them again, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'll just stop there before I read the, the best part. But Jesus, what if I used to do those things? Or what if I'm doing those things now? You're saying that I cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can I just say this? If, you're, if you follow Jesus and you might have done these things before, you are a new creation in Christ. And what does the Bible say? That all that old stuff that you used to do is what? It's gone. It's dead. It's gone. It's no longer. And you have new things in Christ to do and to accomplish. And when I used to be a youth pastor, man, I used to just tell our kids all the time, you don't have to experience everything life has to offer. Because if you do, it will destroy you. And yes, you can be a new creation in Christ, and I am a brand new creation in Christ, but there are still some things that the devil will use that I did back when I was 16 years old. Mom, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> when I was 17 years old, I'm still not going to tell you. That the devil will still point his finger. I'm forgiven. I've been washed clean. But the enemy does not forget. God forgets. And he will still use those things. But in Christ, what did I say earlier? There is no condemnation for those of us in Christ. But for those of us that don't know Jesus, those things that we have done are still, we're still held accountable for those things. But we have been offered this gift of repentance. You don't have to live that way anymore. You can turn and towards Jesus at any moment and you can be forgiven of all those things, healed and made whole of all those things. And Paul gives us this 
kind of depressing list. But then he gives us this inspirational list. But the fruit of the Spirit. So when you live by the flesh, this is the things that you did. And that was the list we just read. But when you live by the Spirit of God, what's that going to be like? Well, your life is going to be full of love. It's going to be full of joy. Who needs joy? Who wants joy? Yes. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Our lives are going to be like that. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The word that was brought this morning, that God is going to bring a fresh move. We can't bring our old junk into this fresh move. It needs to be a fresh move of God. In a world that might seem really dark and hopeless right now, it's important for us to remember God still knows how to rescue those who love and follow him. And maybe you're there this morning and you're just God, I need rescue today. God, I'm struggling today. I need to know. I'm, I'm, what I'm feeling is not good, so I need to know the truth. How do we deal with outward struggle? We, we gear up. Be strong and courageous. Put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6. We don't fight and get into it with human beings because Paul says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. Our struggle is way bigger than that. It's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have been given a huge responsibilities as followers of Jesus. And that's why we're going to keep these up. We need to pray as a church. We've been given a huge responsibility. Our fight is not with our community or with our government or with our educational board. Our fight is not against our families or even in the church. Our fight is against the principalities and powers of darkness that want to infiltrate these places. And so that's how we should pray. But how do we inwardly, what's the, about the struggle that we have in and of ourselves, I want to read to you Romans 12.2 in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so maybe for some of us this morning, we need to just change the way we think. We've been thinking this way, but God is saying, nah, that's, that's not of me at all. Peter's purpose for Jesus was not Jesus' purpose. And that's why he said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter wasn't thinking of the things of God and of God's kingdom. And so we need to change the way we think. Flesh versus spirit, it's really important. Which one are we feeding the most? 
Are we spending time with God? Are we spending time in our personal worship of God? Are we spending time in his word? Do we pray? Do we listen? Do we invite him? I can open, someone asked me the other day, so how much do you pray? I'm like, I don't even, I couldn't even put it, I don't even know how to tell you that. Because I don't get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray. I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. I usually pray, I usually pray, God help me go back to sleep. God, my knee hurts. Can you help me so I can go back to sleep? I know some people that get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. They pray for two or three hours. I kind of like Paul where he just has this continual conversation with Jesus just throughout the day. I want to invite Jesus into every, literally everything that I do. And I'll be studying at home once in a while, and I'll be doing something and I'll just talk to Jesus out loud. And then Heather's in the other room. Wow, what did you say? It's like, oh, no, just, just in here, just talking to Jesus. Are we spending time with him and understand that, that he is with us? And that's the things that I want to feed. That's the things I want to I invest my time in and not in all these other things that lead me to a place that is not good and not healthy for me. What am I watching? What am I allowing into my life? What am I reading? What am I, who am I spending time with? What are the words that are coming out of my mouth? Because those things that are coming out of my mouth is what I'm feeding myself with. So we need to be careful with that, right? So let's stand this morning. We have been given this great gift of repentance. And maybe for some of us, we've been making wrong decisions, going the wrong direction, and Jesus says, hey, here's a gift. I'm going to give you the ability to turn around and walk with me. And that's for those of us that believe in Jesus, because there's times where we'll get off track. If you never have made a decision to follow Jesus before, whether you're in the room or watching from home or wherever or whenever, that decision can be made in just a moment, and Jesus will come. And he will change your life. He'll make you a brand new creation in him. All the old stuff, it will be gone. And he has a whole brand new, all brand new for you. Jesus, as we read your word, we're, we're humbled that the human heart could even go to those such places to bring division, to bring false teaching, to bring hatred and envy to say you don't even exist. It's amazing to think that that could happen in your church. But God, may we stand on your truth this morning. That we're supposed to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but we're also supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you said that if the world will know that we're yours if we love one another. We've heard a lot of lists this morning, Jesus, of some of the ways that we used to act and respond to situations, and even maybe for some of us, some of the ways we still act and respond to situations. Help us to walk with you. In fact, if you're just there in that moment this morning, and you just like are desiring, like, Jesus, I, want, I just want to walk with you in a, into a deeper place. My eyes are closed. I'm not looking. 
because that's where I'm at. I want to walk with him in a deeper new place. Would you just put your hands out in front of you and just say, Jesus, that's me this morning. See our hearts today, God. Bring a newness and a freshness. Remind us of your precious promises. Remind us that you've given us everything that we need to live this life. Remind us that your peace is given to us in abundance. We speak your peace over us this morning, God. And Lord, I pray that the move of your spirit would bring love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. For your faithfulness, God, bring it. Bring it, Lord. We're thankful for all that you have for us, all that you're doing, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you uh, next week. Looking forward to it already.